Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on call-in. This is episode 10. Has Justice Democrats failed the squad's refusal to push back on establishment Democrats and their recent abandonment of Nina Turner? Has some asking, has Justice Democrats failed? And I'm going to go ahead and take the first caller, which is Oz. You're on the mic. You just got to hit unmute. Okay, can you hear me now? I can. Oz, welcome. Hey, how you doing, Savvy? Hi, Eric. What's going on, man? <laughs> uh, Justice Democrats have failed, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you why. And it ties into my super chat that I gave you a little bit while ago. They failed oh, because they didn't. Oz. Uh. Hey, Oz, can you turn up your volume just a little bit? Let me let me see what I can do here. Okay, it's louder now. Is it louder now? Yeah. How's that? Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. This the uh Justice Democrats failed because they didn't challenge themselves. The Justice Democrats didn't ask the big question like why is electoralism not going to work? That's my point. If electoralism isn't going to work, if rigged elections are the new status quo, then how do they expect Justice Democrats to be successful? Can you answer that for me? What's your opinion? And I like Shahid, I like Shahid too, but I'm going to like him until he starts really coming after us and showing his stripes. Well, why do you think they're not challenging the status quo like i have my opinion i think it's because of you know the money i I think the party controls what's said i think they control like what happens but the party is controlled by wall street there's no disagreement there it's all controlled by wall street right Right. And so why do you think, because if we remember in the, in the beginning, when AOC first went in, remember she held that protest uh, or that sit in right outside of uh, Nancy Pelosi's office. I can imagine she was spoken to like after that. And then, you know, that behavior changed, but to see them just even, you know, abandon Nina Turner the way that they did, How do you abandon the person who's been defending you all this time, who has promoted every single one of them, who was a a, a very important part of Bernie Sanders campaign? How can you do that and just be okay with it? Or maybe they're not okay with it, but I just don't, I don't understand. And I know Nina Turner said that they were threatened, but if you can't be yourself, if you can't speak your truth and you can't go in there and do what you were supposed to go in there and do, then why are you still there? Exactly, Savvy. You nailed it. Why are you even in there? And I think the bigger question is, is why did the squad stab Nina Turner in the back? And if it's not going to work, see, all of these representatives and all of these want to be, you know, 
change it from the inside uh, politicians or wannabe politicians. They keep forgetting it's all controlled. And the power and the money behind the DNC and the duopoly, for that matter, is never going to let it happen. And, it, you know, if you're going to sell out, you're going to get told how to do it. That's just that's just where it's at. And they control everything. They bent the knee. AOC bent the knee to AOC to uh, Nancy Pelosi. She got the call the next day. And I think we were all saying that, that, (laughs) that she better never do that again, or she's not going to go anywhere in the party. It wasn't that she wasn't just going to get, you know, leadership roles on committees. It was, she was going to be out in the next cycle. They were going to do the same thing that AOC did to uh, that Crom, uh, uh, Cromwell up in uh, New York. What's his name? You know what I'm talking about. But it's all about being sold out. I don't want to keep you any any longer. I want other people to talk. But uh, just if you could give me a response to that, I'll jump off. Okay? Yes. Yeah, so what was the question? Sorry, I was reading something. No, it's okay. It's <laughs> okay. The bigger question is, is why do these people take keep getting stabbed in the back and continue to support the Democratic Party? I have that question as well. I'm not sure why, you know, Nina Turner is still defending the squad. And she said, well, when she spoke with Jordan, she said, well, they're my friends. And I know that some of them were threatened. Okay, I get that. But why are you still trying to, I don't understand why people, if you're left after everything we've seen and you're progressive, I don't understand why people still want to join this party. They shouldn't. They should be using their skill sets to organize and get out in the street, just like Shahid Batar, smart guy, really knows he needs to take it to the streets. We all need to take it to the streets. You and I know it. Eric knows it. Everybody in the chat knows it because big things don't change from what's inside a duopoly that's corrupt and rotten to the core, sponsored by money. We all know this. We all know it. We all agree. I'm going to jump off so you can get the next call. Thanks. Thanks, Abby. I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks so much for calling in, Oz. Thank you for the super chat, Jessica. Love you, Sabs. Love you, Eric. Love all your subscribers and members. You bring voices to the voiceless. Thank you so much for that. Appreciate it. All right. I'm going to go ahead and take the next caller, which is Reef. You're on the mic. You just got to unmute. What's up, Sabby? Hello. Hi, hi. Oh, so you're wondering if Justice Democrats are a failure? Yes. I mean, I feel like the answer is unequivocally absolutely. Like, uh, I mean, what have they done? You know? Other than get some, like, politicians elected, which have also done nothing, Justice Democrats have done nothing. You know? In my opinion. You know? If, if anything, they've given us crumbs and then told us to be happy for those crumbs. So, while at the same time defending the same, like, powerful elites that, you know, take away the crumbs we have. You know? What's your thoughts, yeah, Sam? It's a, it's a good <clears throat> point because I remember when Justice Democrats was advertised and it was described as it was going to be this hostile takeover of the Democratic Party. Right. And I haven't seen any hostility. No. Even that protest at at the Capitol, they had to get permission from Congress to do that protest 
about the eviction moratorium. They had to get permission to do that. Right. Well, well it's like what someone like what Oz was, was talking say, about. Go ahead. Well, when you have someone like Cori Bush that came from activism, I mean, she came from the Ferguson riots. Yeah. It just didn't make any sense to me. Like, that's not how you organize. Like, you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to go get permission from your overseer to organize people in protest. And then they didn't announce it. They didn't promote it. So there weren't many people there to begin with anyway. Why didn't they even promote it? Were they told not to, not to really cause a ruckus? It's just, I well, feel like. It's one of those things where I feel ahead. like they do, they do just enough, right? To get those, those people who still support them. Just, just to think that they're good people still, you know? Right. So, you know, and, and, and those are really performative actions anyway, which we should be outperforming them if they're going to do that. But, you know, there's no, it doesn't feel like they're wanting to play outside the system in any way that they're wanting to put, you know, the, that they that they wanted to bring the ruckus to begin with, you know, and, and this is on top of, we're, we're still not sure necessarily the, the validity of, of, you know, their like, if they, they, believed in the ideals that they said when they were asking for votes you know so like there's there's some weird stuff with AOC specifically if you go look in her history about you know that that was definitely kept under wraps during those you know election cycles and what what shows was she on when she was trying to get elected Sabs do you remember the first one that had her on was Jimmy Dore oh Jimmy Dore look at that Right? Yep. Has she been on any of those progressive shows since then? No. No. So why is she unwilling to talk to the audience that voted for her? Like, Mm-mm-mm. it's because those those things that she, like, those carrots she put in front of us weren't really available? You know? So, I mean, I don't know. I I don't see them doing anything in the future or now that that can enact actual change. Right. And I feel like it's our job to make sure that they do it anyway, you know? So, cause uh, electing more of them isn't going to help. There's already how many of them and they're unwilling to do any action. I mean, enforce the vote definitely showed us that. Then on top of that, you're not going to endorse someone who supposedly agrees with you. Like ninety percent of the time, Nina Turner's been sticking her neck out for you. Yes. Like no, look, I I admit, like again, I I told you know you guys know I'm done with this strategy. I think mm-hmm. we need to again for those who are new and don't know, eighty percent direct action mutual aid. We need to do twenty percent electoral politics, and even by that, I think electoral politics we need to really focus on it at the local level. I think mm. that's where we need to look because you can implement change that way on the local level. But I will say I am heavily, heavily disappointed at the way that they treated Nina Turner. Yeah. That is such a slap in the face. It's such a slap. And to see AOC promote, like constantly promote Jessica Cineros, which she's been doing Mm -hmm. for the past couple of weeks, by the way. Jessica Cineros' election was not this month. It hasn't happened yet. And she's been heavily promoting her because I really believe they're lining up Jessica Cineros to be the next AOC. She checks off all the boxes. She's a woman. She's a person of color. She's she's a gem for them. Yeah. She's a gem. And this is what they do. So it's like 
they look at someone like Nina Turner, like, oh, that's a little bit too much. It just, this is absolutely ridiculous. And I really do believe that the reason why Nina Turner lost more support this time in this race than the race last year is because obviously the money is an issue. We all know that that's always going to be a problem. The negative ads, that's always going to be an issue. She had raised, she had raised her, didn't she? Right. But they had, she outraised her, but they had money come in In. right at the last minute for Chantel, just like before. But the thing is, is that I think what people really need to, to understand is that, you have a group of, of the left that I think is depressed and they did not have that. They didn't feel that enthusiasm and that joy to come back out and do this again. It what was would make them, what would make them enthused? Right. It's an easy, and we're so easy to enthuse. We're easy to please, honestly. Right. <clears throat> you come out and say the right things and call it the right people. Right. You actually give a populist message. We're here for you every day of the week. Right. We'll forgive right. a lot. We, we do all the time. You know, uh, I find it interesting. <clears throat> and, you know, I know I know Colin has been talking about it this week as well. Um, you know, this this Roe v. Wade situation has seemingly awoken many a liberal. What, why do you think now? Right. When we've clearly seen this stuff, you know, for a while, especially among the squad. Why do you think now their inaction speaks to people like Anna or, you know, any, any of the new shit libs who, who want to jump on this Democrats are bad bandwagon. Well, it's a midterm <clears throat> year. Mm. And Amy Klobuchar tweeted out herself. She said, I'm going to fight for this starting now until November. Until like, November. <laughs> you just said oh. part out loud. And so, Marianne Williamson yeah. is, is, is out here trying to get us to support Betty O'Rourke. Like, what 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 yeah oh yeah it was a recent tweet um you know like it's it just kind of baffles me that like they have refused to listen to anybody with actual any sense it seems you know so and it's not like we haven't been screaming these messages so i i don't know you know like I, i you're right it's why I don't see much hope in electoral situations anyway. If we can't get the politicians that we've already elected to do what they said they were going to do, how do you expect any others to, to do the same? To me, that's just putting another, like, you know, mascot in, essentially. You know? But... I agree. Until you can hold them accountable, there's not much, like, you know... I, I, I keep I keep saying that we're not at rock bottom yet that things aren't going to change until we're there, you know? So I I would like to think that this addict that is the American government and the populace who supports it, like to hear this intervention, they're not going to till, you know, it's going to get worser, you know? So there's, there's um, something I want to say. Do you possibly think that maybe we went about this the wrong way? I was Mm. thinking about this over the past couple of days. I'm wondering maybe if we should have been trying to do two different experiments at the same time. For example, the Justice Democrats experience or excuse me, experiment. That's one way, right? Like putting progressives into the Democratic Party and hoping they can change things from within. Mm. But I'm wondering if we also should have tried another experiment 
where we were also trying to mobilize people and get people to vote third party and independent as well. And I think the there, wa- why I there was there was there was definitely some people well, in the movement that were trying to have that happen. You know, well, not to the same level as yes. we were promoting justice Democrats. Absolutely. Right? So I'll, I'll give you an yeah. example. When Bernie Sanders was running in 2016 mm. and, you know, his race between him and Hillary, that was actually pretty close. Yeah. When Bernie Sanders lost to Hillary, if we would have been running both of those experiments at the same time, I feel like more people would have known about Jill Stein and sure. that would have been the backup. Hey, guys. Yeah, we're going to go with Bernie Sanders. If Bernie Sanders does not beat Hillary Clinton, all of us are going to shift and vote for Jill Stein. We didn't do that. What happened was Bernie Sanders lost, and then you had networks like TYT telling people, well, you got to vote for Hillary or else you're going to get Trump. But imagine if all of us would have moved from Bernie and voted for Jill Stein. She was on the ballot in 48 states. Yeah. No, I I mean, I I completely agree. I agreed then, right? I I know Jimmy Dore was saying that for a while during that time, Um, as well as when Howie Hawkins was running, right? Just because, like, we're we're all done with voting for the lesser of two evils, you know. Which even then, right. one could argue that that's voting for the lesser of evils. Like, you know, you don't know. Like, they're all they're all just figureheads anyway. But at least at least I, I'm I'm willing to vote for the person who lies to me better for sure. You know, um, but right. yeah, no, I, I mean it's. I think people were to some degree, but you're right. If, if TYT had done that and looked at things a little differently and, you know, um, it's not, not for lack of being told, um, for sure. Uh, I imagine Katzenberg cash definitely kept them from saying particular things, but, um, you know, unfortunately, um, I have, I, um, a, a lot of callers. So yeah. I yeah, I could talk all day, so feel free to kick me <laughs> off. Okay. <laughs> all right. Love you. Bye. Bye. All right. It looks like, um, oh, Bad Faith is here. Welcome. Bad Faith says uh, Glenn Greenwald also had her on early at the intercept. Okay, good point. I didn't realize that. I'll have to go back and check. Thanks for the super chat, AJF. MOK and even Malcolm X was right. Beware of the liberals. The right make it obvious they're against you, but the libs shiv on the side to back it. Thank you so much for that. That's a good point as well. All right, Delthea, you're on the mic. You just got to unmute. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, good. Um, did the Justice Democrats fail? Yes. They failed justice and they failed democracy. They were sent there to do a job that they're not going to do because the three things that make the world go around are wealth, power, and prestige. Those are three very, very, very addictive narcotics, and they are very, very addicted. And they're not going to do anything that's going to take away their fix. That's all I had to say. Thank you. Have a good night. Thanks, Delthea. Thanks so much for calling in. All right, Anthony, you are the next caller. Hey, what's up, Sabby? What a great show. 
Good to see you. Talk with you. Thanks so much. So how, how do you feel about this? The poll was pretty crazy. Oh, they absolutely failed. Matter of fact, I confronted a uh, justice Democrat or more specifically a squad member today. I confronted them over her support of the Ukraine war. And uh, funny enough, it's on a little video. I just DM'd it to you on Twitter. I don't know if you're able to pull it up, but <laughs> she totally ignored my question. But uh, yeah, uh, I confront this squad member. I got a local squad member here. I confront them all the time. They're full of baloney. They're surrounded by DSA ass kissers. And yeah, they failed big time. <laughs> Are you in D.C. area? No, um, Detroit. And we have Rashida Tlaib here, and she's always out and about uh, at little protests and stuff. So, of course, she had a press conference with two other congresspeople today, Raul Grijalva. He came from Arizona, and Debbie Dingle, she's a local here, too. And uh, there, it was all about, like, the environment. And at the end of it, uh, I was holding up a sign the whole time that said, Stop voting for the Ukraine war uh, today. And... Uh, and uh, at the very end of it, I said, hey, Rashida, will you stop voting for the Ukraine war? But she ran away. <laughs> I see it. I see it. It's 15 seconds. I'm going to play it really quick. <laughs> Hope it Eric, works. I'm going to um, I'm going to share my screen just because it's in my Twitter DM. So let me see really quick. OK, here we go. I talked to Secretary Fudd. The issue is is land in the houses in Detroit in the bank as well. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then the video. <laughs> okay. I guess that answers that question. Yeah. So that's a no. I mean, they failed big time. They don't even know what they're doing. Her predecessor actually wrote a letter about supporting Nazis. And, you know, she speaks very highly, you know, John Conyers, but you, I've written, you know, so they have no excuse at this point. They failed big time. The squad. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. The whole Ukraine thing. But yeah, um, I don't know. That's, that's about it. Uh, that's kind of activism. I think we need to do keep confronting these people. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sid. I agree. Well said. Thanks so much for calling, Anthony. All right, uh, Lance, you are now the next caller. Just got to hit unmute. Hey, Savvy, how you doing? Hey, how are you? Good, good. So, yeah, this whole thing with the progressives and everything. I mean, there's so many, so many ways to approach. You know, the the, the memory that people have that Obama. Who Joe picked Joe Biden to be his you know, successor? Sixty votes in the you know filibuster proof and a, and a huge margin in the House. That wasn't that long ago. This is the same party and everything. How could people dream that voting blue at this point just with that? Let alone what they did to Bernie twenty sixteen, Bernie twenty twenty. You know, and as far as Nina and all that, yeah, it's crazy. Here's the thing about like. Ignorant Republicans versus the elite intellectual Democrats, right? If Bernie was an NFL coach, like the Harbaugh brothers, can you imagine if one brother said after the Super Bowl, geez, coach, why didn't you? You had the starter was gone already, and the, the backup quarterback was limping on one leg, and they had a rookie with no snaps ever as the, th the only guy left. Why didn't you rush? You're a blitzer. He's my brother. He's my friend more than he's my brother. Guy never coach again. But if you're the president, you want to lead the free world, but you don't want to criticize Biden because he's your buddy. 
go away. That's it. You're done. And here's what I would say about that, right? Because we've said a lot of these things back and forth. But can you imagine taking the Obama, make switch it, GOP? Can you imagine these ignorant, you know, Rube, uh, QAnon, uh, you know, creationists, whatever you want to call them, which, of course, I'm, I'm being sarcastic, you know, uh, Republicans. They wouldn't put up with this if it was the other way around. They'd have had Obama out with him out of town on a rail. They'd have told Bernie, go away. We don't need you with no, with no backbone. Get the hell out. Even if you agree with us, you see. And so this is what the horribleness is, is that the, the, the stupidity or willful ignorance on the left far exceeds anything on the right. It's weak. It's weak. It's like we don't have that same type of fight, that same type of energy and power. And you're right. Like they wouldn't put up with this if this is the other way around. Um, And I don't really think the people who are there are going to change. I don't (laughs) I mean, they've been there for a couple of years. The people who won or at least the original squad that won in 2018, they've been there for a couple of years now. I mean, yeah. I just I just don't think I don't think they're going to change. And and I'm sorry, but I think anyone else that we put in using the same like strategy, the same thing's well, going to happen because the party decides what they want. Yeah. And, and, and another thing is, let's call their bluff. OK, let's take your point that they'd rather lose. And it went, once they didn't fight in Georgia and they didn't have a plan after they won Georgia and it was because of grassroots, they, they didn't go in and try to win it. Uh Oh, now we're in charge. I said this in 2008, based on the things that he that Obama said before he even got elected. I said, watch them do a pirouette and all kinds of kabuki theater now that they have total control to skirt away from doing anything. And that's sure enough what Obama did. So my cynicism goes way back. But with what's happening now, it's like, how about a couple of uh, cycles in the wilderness? How about a 15 percent party that lets the GOP take over everything for two or three cycles? Then all of a sudden, those consultants are going to be like, "Uh oh, we're permanently losing. All of a sudden, these third party people are going to look awfully palatable to the to the left. So go into the wilderness. We got through Trump. We'll get through another four years of Trump. Biden ain't any better. And, and some people have been saying the crimes of Obama and Bush, 43, uh, far outweigh anything trump did he was pretty much an isolationist who really didn't want war so don't give me this bit <laughs> that we're better off with one party or the, with vote blue no matter who we're, we could be worse off and here's one more point i said to somebody who's my sister I think, might as well have trump because they were absolutely right republicans and i'll stop here and recall or you know mute you know they were right that uh as far as tr- <laughs> um trump you know we're not, we got we have to call their bluff anyway is all i'm saying is that you know we cannot just keep going with this uh you know round and round in circles and oh and how many battles you have to fight on the on the left like the nevada state party they the, the democratic socialist basically the democratic party you know it, it took over and they took all the money and ran and fought them after the fact india walton won the primary they, they got a write-in candidate to fight them so you have to fight more battles within the party to get anywhere to even get elected then if you had a third party where at least everybody's going to be on your side, where it's all base. Mm, well said, Lance. I'm going to go ahead and go to the next caller. Thanks so much for calling in. All right. Tyler, you are next. You just have to unmute. Hey, Sabby. How are you? Love your show. Hey, thanks so much for calling in. Um, so I, I really appreciate the topic so much. One thing I try to do when 
I, I, I feel like most people here are sort of uh, in agreement on this on this topic, right? We're sort of the original squad supporters in your community. And so I think the people listening to you are probably of the uh, feeling of being pretty disillusioned at this point, at least not satisfied with uh, with with where this like Justice Democrats kind of squad movement has gone. Um, but so so I feel like we're kind of, you know, a, a, a collective kind of mutual perspective here. And I always try to when, when I'm in those situations, I always try to think about what's the counter argument that I'm on a experience when I step out of that familiar space, right? Like what's the steel man of the pushback that I'm going to get once, once we kind of leave, leave our, our, our friendly area here. And it's one of the, one of the, one of the things I know is going to come up uh, that I've heard from left media commentators is this, Oh, you're uh, engaging in electoral nihilism, right? Um, and you've heard, you've heard this before, of course. Um, and I think, you know, at this point, I think I think that the the primary counter arguments to that point because it's a fair point, right? Like the idea of you know what else are you going to do other than you know kind of donate to the best you know congressional candidates you can and and do do the best you can within the system. Like what are you going to do? Like go be a crazy third party or something? Well, the idea is at this point, I sort of am willing to do you know what we need to do to sort of force the people who claim to represent us. To, to, to show us something, right? And I and and it, the very least of which I think is withholding our votes, right? Uh, or voting for someone else, or even voting Republican if we think that that's a threat that we need to make, right? Like, um, but can I just uh, one thing I just want to add here because this term is being thrown around a lot. I think people need to look at the definition of the word nihilism uh, because, for one, we're not saying don't do anything. We have a different idea and a different strategy that we think we should take. And some of those people know that the problem is they don't want to do that strategy. Some of them don't believe in third parties. They don't believe in independent candidates. They don't really want to do direct action. They don't really want to do mutual aid. And for some of them, it's because that's just not their thing. And for some of them, it's because that's not a part of their brand. Let's just be real. A lot of these people grew during Bernie Sanders campaigns. So. I do want to put that out there because I'm hearing a lot of people say that, oh, you guys just, it's just nihilism. It's just, no, I'm, I'm telling you the reality. You know that money controls both of these parties. So if this is the strategy that you want to use, then you should be focused on getting money out of politics. Now, obviously, that's going to take a long time, right? So in the meantime, what could you be doing? You need to do direct action, need to do mutual aid, like, the fact that we donated $100 million to Bernie Sanders, we could have donated that money to mutual aid and actually helped people in this country. That's the problem. And so we just throw all this money, we just throw it away to these politicians. And for what? So they can get in office and not do anything for us? Well, I, I, de- I definitely agree with you. Um, uh, and, and I would, you know, I would say the the, the one fair point they're making is they're calling it political nihilism, which means you're just going to give up on politics. And I think you're, you're, the pushback you just made is an entirely fair one to say like, well, yeah, there's better things we can do with our time. And so that's, that, that, that's, that's where I'm sort of at is, you know, you could, uh, I think an earlier caller said, made this point, like we're, we're sort of an easy sell, right? 
Like you kill, you yeah. could convince me if you did something good for my life, right? Why don't you actually end the wars, right? Why don't you actually pass Medicare for all? Fucking something as legal as as, as small as legalized weed, right? Like you'd, you, we'd right. be a little disappointed if that was all it was, but like we'd be grateful and we'd make points about that to our friends, right? Like we we would care. Like we are a pretty easy sell, and you know what do they say in Missouri? Is it show me? Um, you know, like. Just the the pushback we're going to get is like, okay, you're engaging in political nihilism because you don't think this works for you anymore. What what else are you going to do? And and my response to that primarily is like, well, there's a lot else I could do with my time. A, which is the point you made very well, and B, like if you want to sell me on this, like I'm an easy sell. Show me something. I will show up and vote for you if you give me Medicare for all. I will show up and vote for you if you bring my buddies home from Iraq. Right? Like uh, I'm. I, I you can get me with those. You could just do that, and it, and and okay, I'll 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 do that based on that decision. Right? Like. So I think a lot of us here are of the are of the mind that like we have really nothing to sh- you know like the reason that we're all kind of congruent on this on this point, and you know the the, the thing I want to prepare us for is the pushback that we're going to get, and it's like the, the you know my own perspective is the way to respond to that is like hey, you could go do something, you can win me over with this. I'm not being I'm not throwing a tantrum here. Oh, and the last point, a really good point that just popped up. Now we have normies like Anna and Mike Figarino who are also fed up with the squad. Like I, we're convincing really, really, really mainstream ass people at this point. <laughs> like, like you want to get us back? It's easy, right? Like it'd be easier to get Anna than me, but like, Jesus Christ, like you could do something. You're, you're, you've done so right. literally so, so many years of literal nothing that you've even lost them. I'll sign off there and uh, just get your reflection on that. Thank you, Sabby. Thanks so much. Right. And I'm not saying like, I know some people still do want to vote. I'm not saying don't vote. Like those of us at RBN, we have different opinions about electoralism. Some of us don't believe in voting anymore at all. Some of us only believe in voting for independent and third party candidates. And I think that if we were giving those candidates the same platform that we were giving these progressive candidates, more people would vote for them because they would know about them. They would know that they're running. Now I brought multiple third party candidates on this show, but again, this is a small channel. So I'm only reaching so many people. But when I hear people say, Oh, I don't believe in third parties. I don't believe in independent candidates and da da. People didn't believe in progressive, this whole voting progressives in the democratic party either. In the beginning, there were people like, Oh, I don't know. I don't think that's going to work. And so I'm not saying that you should not vote at all. I'm saying instead of vote in this two party system, why don't you vote for these third party and independent candidates who sometimes they have a better political platform. They have a better message on their website. For example, Jill Stein had a great platform, but because of mainstream media propaganda So many people were convinced that they needed to vote for Hillary Clinton because Jill Stein was a Russian asset or whatever. Like you're already going to get that pressure from mainstream media and they're already going to use the narrative that they want. Right. That's where for like independent media, we should come in and debunk that narrative. But we shouldn't only be looking at the progressive candidates like you have progressive candidates that run Green Party. You have progressive candidates that run as independents. If you're only focusing on the ones that want to run through the Democratic Party, 
This is a problem. Look, the jig is up. I, I'll just be honest with you guys. I think this is a failed experiment. I think we need to try to do something else. And I think this time around with this week in particular, you can't ignore it this time. You really can't make excuses for it this time. The way the squad just abandoned Nina Turner like that, this whole Roe v. Wade like discussion, like this could have been taken care of years ago. They could have codified Roe v. Wade into law. So you can't excuse it this time. Like, I'm sorry, but you really can't. So why am I still going to tell people to vote for these progressives, to put them in there, to go into a corrupt party, a corrupt system that I know they're not going to beat because the party is going to push them out. And I don't hear anyone talking about this part of it. The fact that the people that we have had in office that did challenge the Democratic Party, they were pushed out. Cynthia McKinney, Dennis Kucinich, Ralph Nader, they're gone. What do you guys think is going to happen to AOC and the rest of them too? If they try to do those things, they're going to be gone too. That's why they're going along with what the establishment wants. So I think we need to try something different. I would rather see all of them from the squad leave DC and start organizing. Corey Bush comes from activism. Get out on the ground, organize and get people, you know, riled up. They have way more followers than I do way more and get all of their supporters to come challenge the system. That's I would rather see them do that because at this point, I think the progressives in the democratic party, I think that needs to be a separate thing. It's not going to work. You see Nancy Pelosi and Jim Clyburn, they're endorsing someone who's pro-life instead of endorsing Jessica Cineros, who is pro-choice. They're going to endorse the establishment candidate. Same thing, the Congressional Black Caucus, they endorse Chantel Brown instead of Nina Turner. They're both black, but Nina Turner is not establishment. This is always going to be the issue. I'm going to go ahead to the next caller, uh, Greg. Just got to unmute. Hello. Greetings. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... Think about it in terms of like Nina being the um, kind of like the last hope for Justice Democrats. I mean, no one um, else has anyone near her like um, her popularity. Um, I just don't see where they would go from here. So, uh, absolutely, they're done. And like the fact that they're dependent on this one candidate kind of proves like what does that tell you about the movement? You know. It's just, we all know this electoral movement's over. So very clearly they failed. So I'll just leave it at that. Agreed. Yeah, they have to have the one star. Like before it was AOC, this time around it's Nina Turner, you know. I wish that same amount of focus would have been put on Paula Jean Swearingen and some of the other uh, Justice Democrats that ran. Even when you watch that documentary, Knocking Down the House, most of the focus is on AOC. And that's the one who won. So it's just, it is what it is. I'm going to take the next caller. All right. Owen, you're the next caller. Just got to hit unmute. Hello, Sammy. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I just... This does have to do with the Justice Democrats already 
agree that they failed. But what I wanted to ask about today was specifically the black elite and their role in standing in the way of progress in this country. Mm. Um, can you still hear me? Do tell. Okay. Yeah, I said do tell. So, uh, I got you. Uh, so just so the audience knows, uh, what I define as the black elite is basically uh, the leaders of churches, charities, the NAACP, and most importantly, celebrity activists. And just so everyone knows as well, the only difference between people on the left and the right in the black elite is the uh, rhetoric that they spit, whether it be online or publicly. But actually, in private, we all know that they act the same wings when it comes to their economic status. So my main question was, uh, I wrote it down because my internet is bad because I'm poor. Uh, how does the left deal with the issue of the black elite who are in control of the majority of black media when white leftists in these political spaces, like those in the DSA, have trouble or are afraid to publicly disagree with black people? And I found that that was a major problem when it came to the Bernie Sanders campaign uh, in both of the times that he ran. So I just wanted your opinion on that. I think the best way to do that is to focus on the class issue because you're right. Anytime they get that, that challenge or that pushback, it's easy for someone to say, Oh, well, they said this mean thing to this black leader, the racist, and and that will happen. Right. So I think you need to focus on the class issue. And at the end of the day, and Nick and I talk about this a lot on RBN, this is one of the things I've noticed. So I, I went to college with people who were, a lot of them were wealthy, just keeping it real. And I was not, I came from a middle-class family. And one of the things that I noticed, even when it came to wealthy black students, it seemed like wealthy black people were class loyal first and were black second. And what I mean by that is you look at someone like Will Smith, you look at someone like Morgan Freeman, right? They're all for these protests or whatever action is going on until it starts to affect their wealth, their wallet, their capital. Once it starts to affect that, then all of a sudden they back off, right? So Will Smith came out against defunding the police because he he's wealthy. He, police protect capital. They keep those those neighborhoods safe. They don't keep the neighborhoods safe that actually have more crime and, and more violence. So at the end of the day, it all comes down to money. And I would recommend for people struggling with that same issue, I think you have to bring it back to the class issue and just explain like, listen, if you're on the left or the right, if you're poor, you're still poor. It, it doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right. If you're rich, it doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right, you're still rich. And so when you look at that study from Princeton, I, I talked about this one time on my show. I think I need to show that chart again. There was a study done in Princeton that showed that when it comes to electoral policy, electoral politics and policy change, people who are poor, low income and middle income actually have no impact on policy change. People who are upper middle class and wealthy do have impact on policy change. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you that policies are only changed when they affect and impact people who have money. For the rest of us, we don't get those changes. That's why nothing really improves for people who are in poverty. 
for people who are middle class. That's why we we struggle so much more, right? Like we may have more debt, especially when it comes to student loans. But for people who are wealthy, when they go out and vote, they're the ones that are more likely to actually impact policy change. Because at the end of the day, these policies that are passed, especially in D.C., they don't pass anything that doesn't have corporate interests. So for those of us that are, you know, lower income or middle income, we don't really benefit them. They they don't get anything from us. So when people run up against that situation, I recommend that they bring it back to the class issue. That way they don't get that pushback of, well, you said something to a black person, so you're racist. I, I recommend going with the class issue. Thank you, Sabby. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller. And this is Sean. Sabby, thanks for taking my call. Thanks so much for calling. Um, I think I think the Justice Democrats is a failure. I think the Green Party, the People's Party, and even the Libertarian Party are all failures because we're trying to create a third party within the framework of an existing political system that's designed to freeze us out. Hmm. And we need to be a lot more creative in the way that we engage this. I had this conversation with, with Bree on call-in, and I also had it with Jay. And I think we need to engage voters. Um, people are very disillusioned with the political system. We have extremely low voter turnout. Right. And the key is not to, I mean, progressives, we, we have progressives. We have people that, that listen to your show. You know, they're, they're, they're in it, but we need to engage independents and non-voters. And I think we do that by giving people agency within their political organization. And that would be by doing something like embracing the technology that we have where we can poll millions of people instantly. Um, Chris Hedges, he, he, and some people like that, they kind of sneer at social media and stuff, but it got millions of people in the streets for the largest protests across the nation in U.S. history. And my idea for a third party is we need to structure it like a game where, like, like a video game where, um, you get points for voting, you get points for organizing events, you get points for attending events, you get points for sharing content. And maybe you get to have a segment with your favorite YouTube host that's affiliated with the party. Maybe you get amplified tweets or, or social media posts 
but you, you have to incentivize people to interact. You have to, you have to give people agency to make them feel as though they have a voice inside the party. Because mm-hmm. right now, I mean, people rightly understand that, um, it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter right. who they vote for. The political system is controlled by money. And we, we just, we keep ourselves stuck in, in this framework where we're, we're trying to fight money. I mean, bit, literally billions of dollars by their rules. And it's not going to work. Right. We, I mean, we need to think outside the box. We need to be creative. Um, every institution there is, is against us. Every capital is against us. But we do have the, we, we do have the numbers. I mean, you see the approval ratings of Biden, of the Senate. I mean, people are pissed. People don't trust the news. And an organization that isn't so top down, like Nick Branagh and, you know, a handful of people ran the People's Party and they were able to co-opt it. Obviously, something happened. Um, you see what happened. They, they fixed the Green Party election for Howie Hawkins. Something's up in there. Obviously, we know how corrupt the Democratic Party is. Obviously, we know how useless the squad and every single one of those so-called progressives that we wasted time and money getting into office. I mean, they're, they're utterly useless. And in fact, I mean, they're just servants of, of imperialism and corporate power. And if we had like a system where we voted, say we had a, a presidential ticket where we elected, we nominated and elected our whole cabinet and we had a specific, uh, a, a specific, we addressed every issue specifically. Like what if Ralph Nader was going around the country campaigning as our attorney general talking about locking up uh, corporate criminals and Wall Street criminals. Or uh, Richard Wolf was our secretary of treasury going around delivering our economic policy. Or Hedges was our, was our, um, was our, our secretary of, um, um, of defense or secretary of state and, and we could speak to every issue specifically. And we didn't have to have, I mean, we could have one of those guys in, in, in 12 different States campaigning. I think we just need to embrace direct democracy, embrace technology and embrace like this sort of thing. Like we're doing now with call in where, where people have a voice. We we need to do that for people. Wow, well said. That is a a really good point. Um, I think you have something there. I really do. Like I I like that idea. Like especially having someone in every state. Um, I could see that that working. I think in the meantime, 
how do we help people right now? Like in the short term, I think, you know, doing things like what Rome does, like tour for the poor, that really helps people. When he came to Boston, like you guys have no idea how many homeless people there are now. Like, I'm just talking like just here in Boston, like it's, it's sad. Uh, but crowdfunding. I think think an organization like that though could, could help give people like Rome more of a platform within a party structured like that. Like I said, if you incentivize organizing and incentivize direct action and then through the party, make sure that people know about people like Rome and know what he's doing and know where to contribute their money. You don't get uh, points for donations. You get points for actually being out there. You know what I mean? That's how I would structure it anyway. But I think you could apply that to local levels. I agree. Well said. Well said. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to get to the next caller. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. That was on point, you guys. Like that was that was very well said. Uh Jewel, you're the next caller. Just gotta unmute. Hello, Sabi. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, last time I called, I didn't get to thank you and the team for everything you guys do. It's it's I can't you know describe, but it's really valuable. Um I actually thought oh, this was so much. Oh yeah. I actually thought this was a loaded question. I was surprised that, I mean, in this circle, it's not, but I kind of have like a philosophy take on it. And I mean, this justice Democrat movement, I don't think was ever about us. Like I'm looking at their website and their mission says we need a democratic party, democratic party that fights for its voters, not big corporate donors. Our goal is to build a mission-driven caucus in Congress by electing more leaders like AOC and Jamal Bowman. Jamal Bowman's my favorite. Um, Who will represent our communities in Congress and fight for bold, progressive solutions to our current crises. So really, they just want to build saviors to just funnel anyone that has any radical bones into, like, to wear them out is what I'm thinking. And I mean, what has happened over the past four years is we we went from abolition, like there's always that radical, like hanging at the the edges, but we always get funneled back into reform. And mm. I think they want to keep us in this reform ideology. Like I see it on the local level where they're just like, let us do the research and we'll get back to you. And it's, and we all talk about how people don't have the time. Right. I just wanted to be kind of the, cause everyone has a yes vote and I didn't vote. So I was kind of just going to be the devil's advocate with that. That's a good point. I didn't think about that, but now that you mentioned it, I mean, you know, when justice Democrats started, they weren't supposed to take corporate money, but later on they decided to take billionaire money. So you can't even trust these organizations. That's something I have noticed, especially like 
as an organizer, as an activist, I had to be very careful about what group I joined because it's been a number of times where I found an organization and I thought like this one was going to be the right one. And then as you get into it, you realize like their whole goal at the end of the day was still to funnel you back into the Democratic Party instead of just focusing on the mission at hand and the activism. And so you have to be careful with these organizations, Sunrise Movement, the Working Families Party, Justice Democrats, they all take billionaire money. Like George Soros should not be giving money to Justice Democrats and Working Families Party. Like this is a problem. And so you can't really trust like these organizations, you have to be careful. So even in my mind, I'm thinking like, should we even go through an organization? Should we even go through a party? Maybe this is why some people just run independent and don't even run as a, a green party, right? Or libertarian like party. Like, I just feel like the, the parties, when you go through a party, you have that risk of getting infiltrators, of being corrupted, of people changing the original message of what it was supposed to be. And just groups in general, like, look what happened to the Progressive Caucus, I'm pretty sure that's not what Bernie Sanders and the other co-founders intended for that to be. But the Democratic Party got a hold of it. And now anybody can join the Progressive Caucus. Yes, so, bastardized. They they take every radical, every radical thing that people come up with that's well-intentioned and they bastardize it. And I, I think right, that's, I that's the goal. That's the goal. And then everyone that's like, hey, we shouldn't do this. It's you're a racist, da-da-da. Or you're you're disrupting my favorite one I've heard is you're disrupting the collective because I was looking at their page and it's all about being together. You're disrupting the collective. Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, I I have bills for like it can be selfish. Like the radical radicalness can be to like it's it's one come one come all. But it's it's it can be like self-serving at, you know, I hope that makes sense. I agree. I think it's too much. Yeah, I'll let you go. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks so much for calling in. You're the only Jewel I've ever met that's not Jewel the singer. I just wanted to add that. (laughs) So when I see your name, it reminds me of, I see that that CD cover of Jewel, uh, Pieces of You. I don't know Mm -hmm. how old everyone is in the chat, but you're the only other Jewel. (laughs) Your intuition. (laughs) <laughs> exactly you know what i'm talking about jewel oh man you're taking me back now i love her i'll let you go have a good night all right you too all right i am going to select the next caller which is michael now i have the jewel song in my head that you were meant for me song all right michael you are next just have to unmute Michael, can you unmute Michael? Is it going to let you unmute? Let me put you as invite to speak. I don't know. Sometimes it it has that issue where. Yes, Savvy. Okay, I got you. All right. Hi, Savvy. Sorry, sorry. So me, Michael Penn, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. Yes. I remember last time you and I spoke about a couple of months ago. So yes, and uh, and uh, and and the question you ask about have justice Democrats, I'm not sure if I remember correct, have justice Democrats done enough? And you know, after thinking about this uh, for very long, thinking about this for a very long time, 
the Justice Democrats have been hijacked, have been corrupt, and they really and I think of them like they're really on the same team of white supremacy and classism, or on the same oh. on, or on the on the same on the same side of the eagle coin. So they're really no different from the modern Democrats, Republicans. And and progressives, and I call the progressives penals, meaning progressives uh, in name only. And I say that what we should focus on is both collective and individual tangibles. And the reason I say that because yes, everybody needs universal health care, needs tuition, debt free public education, and advanced vocational training. Uh, they need debt relief, but at the same time. The tangibles need to be targeted. Like, for example, like the LGBTs receive money. Uh, people who cross the border receive $450,000. Um, even like immigrants who came to this country who have not been a U.S. citizen for a very long time can now vote. Can you? And I'm like, that's ridiculous. And black Americans who've been here for 400 years and counting couldn't even achieve real freedom. And I say to the Democrats, you know, I'm glad I didn't. Thank God I did not vote for Biden in the 2020 uh, U.S. president's election. I said it out like I said out since 2000. Um, no, I'm sorry, since 2000. Yeah, 20, uh, since 2020, because I knew Ray Biden. He was not going to keep his promises, and he was not going to not going to fight very hard. And I also knew because of his history, when he was senator, when he was the U.S. senator from Delaware. He incarcerated a lot of black people in, in his 1994, I'm sorry, the 1994 crime bill accelerated mass incarceration because a lot of states were doing it before uh, Biden introduced the bill. So with him, no, I, I can't. And, and, and also you mentioned that whenever about how Congress creates policies for upper middle class and rich people, I mean, I kind of knew, I mean, I already knew that already. And that's why I think you said, from your podcast or the ghost that local and state elections matter because they really impact middle class, working class people and homelessness. And I'm not saying not to say that people who serve in local office are corrupt. I mean they're not as corrupt as as uh at the national level. But I think it's easier to navigate at the state and local level to build a base. And also I feel I feel like at the same time we need to start a a complementary party. Where people have, you know, different experiences, right? For so, I'll give you an example uh, to make it brief. So, someone on the right does not agree on free tuition, right? And someone on the left does not agree with um, uh, vocational training. I say let's complement these two together. Why not just make both vocational training and uh, public education free at the same time? Because think about it: if Republican voters don't want to go to college, but at the same time they don't want to go in debt. They don't want to make below poverty wages. At least they can attend, attain a certificate and make, become a technician or whatever perf- trades they pursue for free without any student loans. And same thing with uh, free public education as well. Because why are, we st- why are we telling people when they choose, you know, vocational, I mean, trades and, and college education, like, oh, you have to go there for money. And it's really sad. And it's really, you know, I, I find very very find it. I find it very disappointing and upsetting that you have to choose money. It's like it's like you have to marry someone who's wealthy. You know what I mean? You can't choose happiness. You have to choose profits over happiness. 
But that's also, what happens in a capitalist system. Right, exactly, right. That's and that's why, exactly. and that's why, and I'm, I'm, I think about this, you know, for a very long time that, that uh, black Americans, they also deserve, black American of descendants of slavery deserve reparations after more than 400 years because they built this country from bottom to top. But the problem is that they didn't build this country for themselves. They built it for others and then others took advantage of it. And when I hear others say that they're sorry, being sorry, being, being apologetic, apologetic is not enough. And that's what black Americans say. Give us tangibles. So that's how, that's how black Americans gave uh, tangibles to immigrants, um, LGBT, Asians. And by the way, I'm Asian American. And, and I, and I, I'm, I'm seeing this and I'm thinking about it critically that all groups owe black Americans reparations. It's just not the white, the, I'm sorry, the white elites, but it's also other individuals as well. And that's why I say it's best to think about a complementary party or create a complementary party where people can, you know, not only say compete, but treat it equally, but treat it equally, but people have unique circumstances. You know what I mean? Just like in Europe where like, I'm sorry, because you studied in Germany before, people are not choosing to go to college or trades because they want to go in debt. They choose those routes because it's what they want to do in the future. What's their interest? What's their passion? Right. And, Right, and was, right. Plus, well, college is also free in Germany too. Right, right. Of course, right. And I know that yes, because I know Germany recently uh, implemented free tuition um, not too long ago, uh, since two thousand fourteen. Because Germany and America are very similar; they have similar, you know, similar. I mean, they have similar economies, but also similar uh, financial challenges. But Germany made the right decision to implement free tuition because Germans saw what what happened in America. How Americans, how, how Americans like to say we're the, we're the land of opportunity, uh, land of the free. But if we're the land of the free, why are so many people not liberated from their student loan debt? Right. And Well said. Well said. Yes. And I just want to ask you a quick question before. I mean, I, I know you have other callers, too. I'm just very curious. So after, like, what I've said and what you've listened, what, what's your opinion about creating a complementary party where the where the left would not hijack or intervene or even like even like judge people uh, where they're at, but at the same time we're fighting for universal policies, you know, such as reparations for ADOS, uh, free tuition, uh, Medicare for all, paid maternity leave, paid paternity leave. I mean, there are some people who do support abortion, some people don't, but those who don't support abortion, but at least they want affordable childcare, they want paid time off or paid FMLA. Well, that's what MPP was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what MPP was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a populist. I think they've gone back and forth on this. At one point, it was progressive. Next point, it was like populist. But it's supposed to be a populist party where you had people connected on the issues and not identity politics. That that's what MPP was supposed to be. Right. But we see there's been a lot of problems there as well, and that's why I think. I think Roger Meadows is right on when he says that you don't need political parties. Like Roger Meadows says, abolish all political parties. Right. Um, and I can, I can see that as well because that is the reality. Regardless of what party you have, you are going to have people in it that are bad faith actors. It happens with every, even with organizations, I've experienced it as well. So I would say I'm not sure about 
trying to start another party per se. I think we're going to run into some of the same issues that the Green Party has run into. I think if you are so interested in that route, we should be trying to take over the Green Party. The Green right, Party I agree, is right. a mess. I think structurally it, it has some issues. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had like great candidates and like they've been able to win a lot on the local level, which some people don't realize that even though right. they're not winning on the national level, they do win on the local level. Mm-hmm. So I think that we should focus on, I think we have a better chance of taking over the green party and fixing that than putting progressives through the democratic party and fixing that. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense because you even had issues with, uh, are you familiar with Morgan Harper who just lost to uh, Tim Ryan a couple of days ago? Yes. 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 Yeah, so on her team, I got kicked out because I was being too aggressive with one of the voters, right? And and I didn't agree with the Morgan te- with the Morgan Harper's uh, strategy of we have to play nice with people. Let's be decent. I said no, I'm not going to play nice and decent with people who are trying to disrespect me because I'm always about equal. I'm always about equal opportunity pain. You treat me nice, I'll treat you nice, right? But if you treat me with disrespect, I'm going to treat you with disrespect also. And I think that's the issue that the Morgan team that the Morgan Harper team had an issue with because I was being too controversial. Uh, you know, I was being unique. I was being dependent. I was not following the rules of the realm or the rules of, of um, engaging voters. Because if you look at Republicans, I'm sure you notice Republicans are very organized in their strategies, their movements, their thinking. And, and not only that, and not to say I, not to say I support Republicans. I don't, but I like how they organize, how they move very quickly. Well, and that's the issue I, have, I see with Democrats. They're not very organized. They don't move very quickly, especially the, the, the old guards who've been in office for like uh, more than 30 years. And you see with Jim Clyburn, who's a, boot, who's a bootlicker, right? And, right. And, this, and, and I'm saying from someone named um, Greg Marshall Dixon. Uh, he's primary against uh, Jim Clyburn because Jim Clyburn has failed his district for 30 years. Poverty rate right. has not changed. Very few jobs have been created. Prenorce's district is almost like vacant. You know what I mean? I know. I, I went to college in South Carolina. My parents retired in South Carolina. Like Jim Clyburn is absolutely awful. Ops, absolutely awful. I do want to make sure I get to the, the next sure. callers, but um, uh, that will be someone that is very difficult to beat because the people in, especially in, in his district in particular, you know, they are getting messages from the black church. They're getting messages from other organizations in in the community as well. And that's why they continue to vote for him. And it's usually the same people that come out and vote and, and it's unfortunate, but I do want to go ahead and get to the next caller. Thanks so much. You're All right, welcome. Lance, Thank you. uh, since, Lance, since you already went, I'm going to go to Val. So Val, you're on the mic. You just got to unmute. Just got to unmute Val. Okay, Val might be stuck in a glitch. I'm going to go to uh, Nay. Nay, you're the next caller. You just got to hit unmute. I think people are hitting the wrong button. Uh, no hashtag no war. You're the next caller. 
Just got to hit unmute. Sorry, I was doing dishes and then I had to get back on my phone. Uh, hi, Savvy. Nice hey. to speak with you. You How too. Are you? Do you like those East Coast IPAs? You still having you still having one of those? Yes, I like these so much better than the West Coast because the West Coast IPAs are too bitter for me. All right, I'm the opposite. I'm drinking a West Coast IPA right now. Anyway, um, I uh, at least you're drinking an IPA. I consider that a a win. Um, so I completely agree with you know what you said in your show tonight. I didn't get to listen to all of it. I backtracked and I got to catch back up and, and finish listening to it. But, um, you know, TYT is going to be back at supporting Democrats soon. And that was a momentary thing. I hadn't seen the update from Anna saying, Oh, I was talking about Republicans. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. It's ridiculous. I'm blocked by her, too, because I told her she was a loser, and that was too much for her to to handle, um, which I think is hilarious. You know, whatever. But, um, yeah, I'm done voting for those people. I think the Justice Democrats are a failure, and I'm looking onward and upward. I think uh, taking over the Green Party, like you just mentioned with the previous caller, is a better tactic than working inside the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party's bought and paid for. And, you know, I encounter people, there's a guy that is in, in um, a lot of Breeze Collins who in a southern state, I forget, and he's a nice dude, but he keeps supporting, telling people to jump into their county uh, Democratic Party and work in there and take it over. And I'm like, yeah, but then what? You know, what do we do then? Like, like, yeah. look at all the Bernie crats that took over the Democratic Party in Nevada, right? And then they've been having court challenges. They've had nonstop battles. Since then, it's not realistic to take over the Democratic Party. It just isn't. They're hopeless. There's too much money entrenched in that party for us to have any chance of it. There's just no chance. And so anybody that kind of pushes through that direction, I like to argue with and, and disagree with because it's just, it's hopeless, right? I mean, I, I don't see any possibility that we can get the Democratic Party to change. Look at the progressives that we got in who went in. I love every time we bring up the rhetoric that the squad used when they were campaigning they were talking yep. about the things we talk about, and then, poof, they get in office. I mean, do you think do you think AOC would run into Nancy Pelosi's office with Sunshine or with Sunrise Movement anymore? Of course not. Of course not. You know, as soon as they get in, they lose their steam, and they care more about getting reelected and and less about doing what they promised to do. You know, so. That's where I'm at, and I think you're pretty close with me on that. But I just wanted to voice that. Awesome! Thank you so much for calling in. Um, hashtag no war. I'm going to get to the my next name's caller. my name's Chris too. I just no war is more important than my than my than the proper noun I go by. So yeah, you anyway. follow uh, you follow Hermela. 
Who? Do you follow Hermela? I don't think so. She kind of started that whole hashtag no war. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like a code pink thing too. Um Yeah, yeah. She she was on the um anti imperialist summit we had last weekend over at I haven't caught up on all that. I've been so busy this week, but I've I've watched some of it so far. I watched Caleb and, and Jimmy and um I just love all these summits that RBN are doing and uh and you know, I really support that and I think it's important. And uh and anyway, thank you for your time tonight, and I'll let you get to the next caller. Thank you, Sammy. Awesome. All right. Reggie, you are now the next caller. You just have to unmute. Am I unmuted? Hello, how are you doing? Hello. Nice to call back. Okay, uh, well, going to the, the topic of uh, of the discussion, you know, the Justice Democrats, have they failed? Well, it depends on how you look at it. They failed to uh, support the things they said they were going to support for and do the things they said they were going to do. But they've done quite well for themselves. And they've been subverted. But they're quite happy doing it. They're going to tell us that uh, they're doing this, uh, that we got to go along to get along so that we get something. Of course, they haven't delivered anything. But uh, I don't think they ever plan to deliver anything. You know, I'm a, a bit older, so I remember way back, I was uh, from the Pacific Northwest, and when Patty Murray got elected, she was part of this new idea called the Tennis Shoe Brigade. She's going to come from the working class, a single mother, and go in there and reform things. And, of course, we know where she is. She's uh, essentially, uh, you know, a, a version of Nancy Pelosi. So uh, I guess... They're half successful. They're successful for themselves, just they failed us. Unfortunately, the system, and you referred to this earlier, almost every organization that comes out that say that we need to work from within the Democratic Party, every one of them are designed to funnel you back in and having you toe the line, you know, going down the crazy crazy train track. You know, at one time they used to, mean things, or they said they did, even though that got changed with the neoliberals came in where they were looking out for working class ideals and try to pro-union and try to get people better wages, better things, and uh, protect you from uh, the big boss man, the corporate Democrat, or I should say the corporations. But now, of course, they, you know, they're the same thing. They're doing the same thing. So, you know, it's uh, come to where we just have two parties and they key on uh, identity politics without really even caring that much. You know, I, I feel this is probably the end of any movement or anybody who believes in the Democrat Party as far as doing anything for the workers. I think it's a great idea as to form our own party, but it'd probably be better to go on the Green Party. You know, uh, you know we it could be taken over. I mean, the, us people who actually believe in progressive plans and ideals, we, you know, we should get mad. We should, you know, take power and do things. And part of this is we need to try to exclude in our conversation, any identity politics and focus on issues that help us all, you know, which would be of course education, upper, upper game, higher wages for all of us, because 
money equals power, opportunity. Somebody earlier mentioned one of the areas of a of having a lot more technical training because we do need a lot of technicians. We don't need a lot of, you know, to go in and get a college education right now and a lot of the, the people that are in power, you know, either got it for free or never had to pay for it. Right now, you go into debt $200,000, $300,000 easily and you can't get away from it. You know, they've enacted special law so you can't go bankrupt. You can end up paying that the rest of your life. And it's essentially, I think it's designed to funnel funnel the young people in to be, uh, you know, enslaved in paying back where they're stuck. And they have to pay and they have to pay. You know, the vast majority of them jobs, you know, they don't lead to, unless you go down medical or law or the other quick way of getting rich is go into politics and tell people you're going to be a justice Democrat, <laughs> get them to believe in you and then sell them out. But, uh, for pretty much everybody else, you know, even in the engineering or, you know, over half the degrees that if you're lucky and you get them or you work hard and you get them, won't pay you enough to be in, you know, where you could even buy a home. So, you know, that's kind of a dead end situation for the most part. And then you're saddled with debts that you'll be paying the rest of your life. So that's mm. really kind of a, it's a kind of a, what we need to do is we need to have free education. We need to up our game. We also need, to, as a country, we need to do the medical care. We need higher wages. I mean, realistically, if you had to live, unless you're in some place in the middle of uh, the heartland and have some connections at $15 an hour, you can't even live on $15 an hour. So, And now they're telling you that they tell you, oh, that's way too much. People will get lazy. It would be really interesting to force them to live a month on $15 an hour and clock in and clock out and see just exactly how well they live. Even if you, <laughs> that would be really interesting to see how they were able to do that. Now, one of the mm-hmm. other things, that, and this is one of the things I think is going to be the big turning point on the destruction of the, of the Democratic Party, and this is Roe versus Wade thing. We knew it was coming. Yep. Barack Obama purposely did not replace, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg when she had already had pancreatic cancer, which people don't live through. Also, there was another justice, and they didn't replace him on purpose to try to force people to vote for Hillary. And, you know, and Hillary so unliked, disliked it for good reason that it was a big surprise she didn't get a vote. Well, they, you know, didn't get voted for. They had a number of uh, opportunities to actually put justice in, in there. And they purposely didn't because they wanted it as a bludgeon. So they could, you know, they've made millions and millions and millions of dollars on saying, well, you got to fight for Roe versus Wade. Well, they never, they could do it even right now if they wanted to, but they don't. They want it, it's, I think it was purposely leaked to give them a little bit of traction so they won't lose as many seats. Even though I think exactly. voters don't bl- they don't, I don't think almost anybody believes in it. anything that they promises. They, they never had it. They had all three, they have all three right now. You know, we don't have yep. a $15 minimum wage. We don't have cheaper drug drugs or prescriptions. Big pharma does whatever they want. The people that used to claim to be, well, it's my body, my decision. They're pro mandate. They want to make everybody keep on getting uh, not only vaccinations, but boosters. And they want to ignore reality like natural immunity. You know, there are ways that they can test it. And they talk about how the big problem 
here we are two and a half years later, and there's no interest in finding the origin of COVID. And we almost all know what the origin was, you know, kind of like we, you know, we kind of know about Epstein Island. Look at all the things that, and, uh, you know, and Epstein killing himself. Obviously he did, you know, so we get this over and over again. And, and the lies are just getting so more blatant and obvious. Now they want a ministry of truth. They want a ministry <laughs> of truth. That's the biggest joke from the people who, it's not a ministry, okay, or misinformation. It's because they're, they want to control the misinformation. You know, it's the, the sky is falling is what they're saying because we can't control the dialogue. And it's mostly because there's a lot of people doing just what we're doing right now where we don't believe them. Almost nobody believes hardly anything that you hear unless you want to. That was another thing that was being sold to us. That uh, if it used to be that it was very easy for somebody to put something out on the Internet and you could collect it and you could find out. And so you could dig up information and you still can. But if you flood it with all kinds of lies and bullshit, I mean, that's that's how you do it. You hide that little kernel of truth with so much crap. And then you feed into the idea, well, you can pick your own truth. Pick the one you like. You know, it's okay. And so, you know, this is where we're going. So the only way to, I think to get out of this is to not, is to recognize it for what it is. And we need to align on working class progressive issues. And we also need to align to, because now look, it's not just the left progressive. It's the right. And uh, you, you call them right. And that might be socially, you know, you got a lot of people in the heartland. You know, they work hard day in and day out. They might even be, you know, anti-abortion. They might, might be a number of other things. They go to church and they might think have a number of thoughts. We should avoid the issues that separate us and focus on the fact that we need to be able to make a living wage. We need to make our country better. We need to not have corrupt politicians. I mean, that's another obvious thing. Look at, look at, that's a perfect example of a squad. You know, they're all subverted with money. They've made it to a point now that is, that it's really obvious. <laughs> it's all about money. They don't care about what we want. So if we would line up on issues and take over the Green Party, try to kick, you know, stay away. Don't hit that third rail of getting into these. Uh, Identity politics. Identity politics exclude everybody except the identity. And it tends to, you know, it gives, it throws blood into the water with piranha. Don't. Yeah. Uh, Reggie, I do want to. Okay. Uh, right. I'm sorry. It's just, um, I do have, I, I need to stop at 1130. I have a hard right. stop, but I do want right. to get to all the other callers. But I, I totally hear what you're saying. Well, the idea is to don't get really angry about this. We just need to organize. I think it's a great idea. We ought to take over the Green Party because, you know, there's nobody really running anyhow, you know, because uh, that's our future. And and just recognize our failure with trying to do anything with the Democratic Party and go forward. Don't lose our ambition and don't get to be too hardened and too ideological, you know. Let's start going towards the things that's good for all of us. I mean, because the vast majority, that's 90% of us can do better instead of feeding on the ones that are just certain, you know, special groups. Okay. So I'm out of here, at least on that. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Well said. Thanks so much. Uh, I'm going to take the next caller and that's MJ. 
So because of time, guys, I'm going to ask um, if we can just keep it to like three minutes per caller. Uh, MJ, you're on the mic. Hey, how's it? Happy Friday, Savvy. Hello. Hey, so, yeah, about the Justice Democrats. I mean, in general, I don't have much faith in any of the elected officials. Um, they needed to enforce the vote, you know, back when it was called for, back when Jimmy called for it. I think that's what should have happened. Um, just like really quick, uh, just like two nights ago, I made my own party. It might sound crazy, but I made a party called the American Anti-Imperialist Party. I made a Twitter for it and stuff, and there's like a basic mission statement for it. But the point is, it's just it's like anti-imperialist, anti-capitalist is the main thing. I'm like, you know, the main things that we want to do. But the point is with the system. I think obviously the system is not working for us. And I think it's definitely meant to not work for us when we're not engaged. And I think that's a huge point because I think there's a huge section of our citizens that are either apolitical, they've checked out of the system, or they're still stuck in the red-blue duopoly. They're still stuck on fighting for Team Red or Team Blue. So I think those, so now the key is education. So I think that, I mean, obviously we need reforms in our system, but I think before we can get to that point, we need to get a larger percentage of our citizens educated to be engaged in the system, be engaged with their communities, be more informed on these issues, you know, get get back to their local politics, I mean, as well as global issues, but we need more people engaged. So I think education along class lines you know, it's the 99.9% versus the 0.1% right now. Um, that's mm-hmm. why, you know, I'm so over these parties. I made my own little third party and trying to spread an anti-imperialist message. And so then, like, back to my point about education. Sorry, a little bit of tangents. But I think the main thing is education. If we educate our citizens, let them know what's really going on. The system's working against us, so we have to organize and work together. And there's a huge section of apolitical people, like I mentioned. So how do we get those people engaged? How do we educate them? Um, Because unfortunately, with American culture, there's a lot of people that are individualistic. They don't really have much empathy. They're kind of greedy. So how, how do we make a social switch? And how do we get people more engaged and working together? And then once we're working together and we beat the man, then we can complain and argue about what our favorite football team is, I think. Anyways, that's, those are my thoughts. Um, thank you so much for the call. And we just got to break out of this two-system duopoly, the two-party duopoly, work together. So those are my thoughts. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much, MJ. I'm going to go to the next caller. Uh, I agree. We do have to educate people first, you guys. And that's one of the things, like, when people criticized us and they were like, why are you guys doing a general strike summit Uh that's not actual organizing or you guys don't know we're not ready for that. Uh, do you think that before there was a civil rights movement, do you think that those activists didn't have meetings and didn't have sit-in sessions where they talked about what they were going to do and they educated the community first about what can be done and how they can move forward? You have to educate people first. And I'm saying that as someone who was an educator, you have to teach so that people know what's needed and then they can get out and get started. I'm going to go ahead and go to Val. You're next. All right, Val, you're on the mic. You just got to unmute. I got three minutes, Val. 
Hi. Hi, sorry. I, I can hear you. Oh, wonderful. I'm just getting used to this thing. I'm not that great with technology. I'm one of the older uh, members here, probably. I'm going to say something. I think you're breaking up a little bit. I'm going to say something that I think too many people will agree with at first, but hear me out. <laughs> I think the Justice Democrats has been an amazing success. Amazing. What I mean by that is, as soon as it was established, I did not think there was anything going on there that was going to be helpful for the progressive movement. I actually thought with uh, Bernie having the, uh, what was his, our revolution group, and there was the brand new Congress, and then all of a sudden, just as Democrats, it seemed like all these competing groups were going to back candidates that fractured, that's where a fracturing of the, of the left started. And I really think that um, it was designed that way. I really do believe that the mission of Justice Democrats was to fracture a movement into different parts. Uh, some of the candidates, definitely AOC, were, were stealth candidates that were fielded to be uh, looking and sounding like they were progressives, but they'd already been vetted by the establishment. Uh, once they get in, they, they all turn. And the people who, you know, started the whole Justice Democrats uh, movement, where have they been for the past year? I mean, they've lost a lot of their following, their audience, because clearly they've been making excuses for these people. I mean, you can say it's because they're ashamed that they didn't do what they said they were going to do, but I actually think that they have done what they were supposed to do. <laughs> just get in there and flop and just take all the air out of the progressive movement. I mean, once Bernie Sanders walked away from his own movement, everybody had a green light to just be in it for themselves. And, you know, but that's what I think. Oh, Val, thank you so much. You were breaking up a little bit, but I, I heard you. Um, I'm going to go ahead to uh, the next caller. And that is, uh, I'm, I'm jumping around here because some of you have gone already. Uh, Nay, I think we're going to try to get you on this time. Nay, just got to hit unmute. Can you hear me? All right. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. Hey, uh, I do think they failed so much so that I didn't even waste my time going out to vote for Nina Turner. Uh, like she said, they're all friends, so I feel like they're all going to do nothing together. I don't think it would have made a difference uh, getting her in. Um, I did prefer her over Chantel Brown, but I just, you know, I, I, I gave up at this point. However, um, I do think maybe I could speak to the difference as to why the gap was so big this time. Mm. Um, last year, uh, you know, I didn't really see any ads unless I was jogging, you know, out in the neighborhood last year. Um, in, in my neighborhood, Cleveland Heights, one of those uh, neighborhoods that does have a larger Jewish population. Um, a lot of t I, I saw a lot of Nina Turner signs. Um, some were Chantel Brown, but mostly Nina Turner or other uh, candidates. Um, and I didn't really see any uh, TV ads last year um, unless I was, you know, maybe hanging out with my mom and watching like network or cable television or something. Um, and it was pretty equal between all the candidates, you know, including Chantel Brown. It, it seemed pretty standard. No, no one stood out. However, this year, that sh that money that they put into Chantel Brown, uh, Brown's campaign was 
insane. I mean, they hit different platforms this time. So they hit like YouTube hard. They hit Hulu. All the apps that people actually watch, they they it was relentless. It was like nonstop. Every single uh, ad that I had was Chantel Brown. And um, I just felt like maybe they reached a larger audience this time. So anybody who was undecided, anybody who was going based on name recognition probably did vote for her because it was I mean, it was insane. It, I've never seen anything like that before. So it, it almost felt like they were cutting into like my shows on Hulu early just to show me her ads. So I think maybe that's why the gap mm-hmm. was so big. She did run. Uh, Nina Turner did run one um, ad that I thought was, you know, pretty feisty. Um, it was on the radio, though. So not many people listen to the radio. I'm sure, uh, you know, not many people heard that. But it was just kind of uh, mentioning her uh, Chantel Brown's ethic investigation and the fact that, you know, all the money, like her, the ad she's running, she's claiming that she brought all this money to Cleveland. Didn't really do that. It, the ad just kind of mentioned that it was Sherrod Brown, not Chantel Brown. But like I said, I think just the name recognition, the the presence that Chantel Brown had, it's the reason why the gap was so big this uh, time around. But uh, thank you for your time. Nay, can I, can I ask you really quick? Sure. What happened to the people who voted for her last year that didn't vote for her this year? Um, like people I'm, who were already her supporters. I think, I don't know, people are just tired of, tired of that whole, you know, I mean, it's pretty obvious that people use that progressive term because they know the ideas are popular, but they don't plan to act on it. You know, I, I, I think maybe that's it. I'm not quite sure, but I think everybody's pretty frustrated with everything that um, Democrats and progressives don't do. I actually, me personally, I feel like they're too aligned with Democrats. Like Bernie said, he'll run if Joe Biden doesn't run. Why would that be the case unless you guys are, I, I don't know. I just think that's strange. Um, they're just too in line with the Democrats to me. Um, they haven't stood out. They haven't made a difference. So what's the point? You know, we need a third party. And I think that's just kind of what everybody's waiting for. Um, someone is asking in the chat, uh, can you ask, answer really quick, how was the ground game? for uh, Nina Turner's campaign. It was good. And the thing is like, there was almost like a flyer on my door every single day, but that's good. The kind of flyers that they put out, I thought, you know, like that feistiness that she had with that radio ad, she could have used that for the flyer. If they didn't have much money, it should have maybe had a snapshot of the plane dealer breaking that story about her ethics investigation. The plane dealer is our local newspaper. So actually, they ran the story on the ethics investigation. In addition to that, they also held the debate this year between Nina and Chantel, where Chantel flat out lied about having an ethics investigation. And I thought that was a lot of ammo for Nina. She could have used that. She could have been like, hey, you know, she's lying, but here's evidence. She's under investigation. And that didn't really happen. So I thought, you know, while there were flyers on the door every day, it didn't really say what she was going to do for the city. I mean, Chantel was saying what she would do. Obviously, it's not stuff that she actually did, but it was just kind of like a cute little picture. Hey, vote for me. So it was maybe just a lack of money while her campaign wasn't strong enough. I'm not sure. But her ground game was good. There were always flyers out every day, but didn't really mm. hard enough. Thank you so much, Nay. It's good to hear from someone um, in that district. Um, this is what I was saying, you guys, like the money is the problem. Like it just it's this is always going to be an issue until you get the money until we get money out of politics. And we have public elections. Um, thanks so much for calling. Nay. I'm going to go to the next caller. Good night. 
You too. All right, guys, I'm going to go to Eric. Uh, all right, Eric, you're on the mic. I have three minutes, Eric. All right, here we go, Savvy. Number one, uh, they definitely did fail. Number two, what can we take? Lessons learned for us, the leftists, the ones who actually want to do something. What do we take away from AOC, the squad, and how they got to get their seats? We have to do the same thing that they've done. We have to put together a strategy, a message, strong candidates that are charismatic, that could get in front of people. The game, the gig is up. <clears throat> if we just take the opportunity right now to invest, to find the next uh, Sama wants. And of course, you know, we can't forget about the fact that we only want to put 20% of our energy and money into electoral votes and the 80% into direct action. Still, we need to figure out a way to bring about some good candidates. So what do we learn and what do we take away is my message. Thank you. Thank you so much, Eric. That was awesome. Well said. I'm going to go to the next caller, and that is Will. You are on the mic. Hey, Zab. Hello. Hey, hey. Zabs, I'm going to be quick. I just came with some suggestions. I don't even want to comment on this. Why I think I talked to you enough of you know where I come from with them. Uh, suggestions. I think we need to probably bring together like some historians so far as the people that's like similarly minded, but historians that follow like the civil rights movement and seen exactly what was their mechanisms of reaching out and getting the word out because we got the internet and we got social platforms. And for some reason, those people ain't have those platforms and they got the word out. Almost, it seemed like it was strong. It, it was way stronger than ours. And I agree. I agree. <laughs> like that, that seemed crazy to me, to be honest. But then I look at the church and I look at the breakdown of the church and I'm like, maybe it was the church because a lot of people believe that we was a little bit more religious, like a lot more religious and everybody went to church. So therefore everybody got a message because our, our, the messages in the church were somewhat political. So that could be a reason uh and maybe we should start uh protesting and uh and doing some type of marches at news stations because we gotta start putting pressure on the, those acres them anchors and stuff like that to start getting real stories and stuff like that and that could probably be another thing because if if youtube start booting people and stuff like that and we can't really use uh alternate media we want to have to start putting the pressure on on them to actually be honest. So, and it might have to be a, a million people showing up to a news station every every couple months, and this like we did million man marches, march on 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 the press, and, and we can call it that the march on the press. <laughs> so I don't know, or press the press. I don't know, but we got we got to do something. Uh, that's that's uh that's putting pressure on uh, people to, to, to be megaphones. Cause at the end of the day, we all kind of saying the same thing, but we, in these diff we, we, we got different megaphones cause we got different leaders. So our leaders skew our words and, and use it for their benefit. Cause 
I'm pretty sure those those uh, iron workers and those coal miners say the same thing that we say, but their leader will throw in, uh, yeah, the coal miners, they want this and this and that, but the billionaires deserve new tax breaks too. So they are throwing their own little corporate uh, uh, incentive into the, the message and really forget the message of the people and just try to get their, whatever their incentive is, but use the people's message to get that. So I, I don't know, but that's just my suggestion. Very good points, Will. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm I'm gonna get to the next caller. Um, yeah, guys, that's a really good point. In fact, a lot of those well, maybe not a lot, but some of those civil rights activists that march with Dr. King, they're still alive today. I think I'm gonna look into that to see if I can get if I can find a way to get in touch with some of them. Now, some people, you know, that was activists back then, they went kind of neoliberal later on in the 80s and 90s and they're not really about that life anymore, but I'm pretty sure there's some of them that are still have that mindset. And I'm pretty sure it's just finding the ones that are willing to come on and talk about it because yeah, like Will is right. Like they didn't have internet, (laughs) no social media, no Twitter, and they were able to organize thousands and thousands of people. So yes, that's an awesome idea. Uh, Next call I'm going to take is case study QB. Hey, You're what's on going chat. on, Savvy Savs? Much love to you. Much love to the chat. I see my, my boy Days in the chat. Much love to you. Yeah, so this is a very interesting conversation, of course. I love uh, talking about these kind of conversations, and this is my opinion. I, I talked to, um man, I was just about to look up his name on Twitter, um, but one of the guys that was with Justice Democrats really early um if I could come across his name, I'll, I'll say, it. but he, he's like, I think he's currently like the press secretary for them officially. And he, he told me how they started off and right when, before AOC's uh, win, like J- justice Democrat was just about to fall off. Like everything that they did was not working. Um, they endorsed a whole bunch of everybody. Remember it was kind of a branch off of um, brand new Congress and they had a whole bunch of candidates and it wasn't going nowhere. They wasn't raising enough money. That's why their last ditch attempt, which worked, was to um, ditch all the candidates and put all their eggs in one basket, which was AOC. And she won. And that catapulted Justice Democrats to the notoriety that they have right now. But I think, unfortunately, from the time that Jenk, um, they kicked Jenk off of the the um, director board, um, that was the first sign of weakness because uh, somebody, I forgot who it was, some right winger said that Jank uh, did, you know, something in 15 years ago, whatever. And to me personally, somebody shouldn't be necessarily judged on something that happened 50, 20 years. Yeah, you can consider it like, OK, we knew what type of person he was then, but I'd rather judge somebody on something that they did the last five years. Me personally. So for them as an organization to say, oh, you got this controversy and a lot of candidates actually supported Jank and they just. The women, um, including the current president um, or executive director, uh, man, what was her name? I can't. Her name escapes me. But um, she she was definitely one of the people that were like, oh, we got to kick Jenk off of the directorship. And of course, um, Kyle Kalinske, out of principle, he left after they kicked Jenk off. Um, so from then on, that personally to me showed me that they were not ready to fight the establishment, fight the good fight. And unfortunately, we can see that to this to this point. But um, what you think about I don't want to 
talk. I got a couple more things to say, but what do you think about that so far? I mean, that all makes a lot of sense now. Um, it's just, mm-hmm. it's interesting to me that out of all the people that were running, they chose AOC though. Like out mm-hmm. of all the people so, that were running. So from what I understand, and I, I, th- I talked to that um, guy out here, his, his name is Walid Shahid, right? I talked to him personally in person. Um, and he said that, uh, uh, actually uh, I talked to him about that, but I, re- I think Charshar Kabarti, he said that her district was uniquely um, fit to be able to put the resources in and for her to hit the streets, which she did, you know, to her credit, you know, uh, her shoes literally were worn down. And I think it's in the Smithsonian um, Museum now that she wore down her shoes because she knocked on so many doors. And it was unique in the sense that she can knock on that many doors that allowed her to reach enough people personally to have them therefore vote for her. You know, versus a district that's way that's too big that you can't literally the candidate themselves can't knock on every door. You know, so I think that was the reason. Interesting, interesting, mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. The, the, one last thing before I'll let you go. Um, I just want to say that I think progressives, we need to think differently. We can't use the same playbook that the establishment uses. <clears throat> uses so uh, and I, i'm just i'm throwing out ideas i don't know what will work but um being introduced to you sabi being introduced to revolutionary blackout network i think we have to have to have to find a way to mirror um or marry mutual aid and uh electoral politics at least the p- people who are running as for for office you need to instead of just knocking on doors and saying, hey, I'm running for office, vote for me. You need to have your volunteers. You need to knock on doors and say, hi, I'm running for office. How can I help you right now? What What are you what do you need immediately that I can help you out? I, I, I can't mow your lawn every Sunday, but I can at least mow your lawn, have my team or somebody have a, I'll have a mutual aid part of my um, electoral team or a part of my, um, you know, infrastructure of people who would go out there and say, hey, we see that you need help. Um, if you're an old person living alone and you've been meaning to get this couch out, hey, we can help you with that. We can mow your lawn. At least we can't do it every you know, Sunday, but we could do it once a month or once every so often. Or maybe we can hook you up with a neighbor who would get to know you and they can help you out. No, that's that's a way that we need to approach things and also do it way earlier than what the traditional um, establishment where they might run a, a year earlier. Maybe you need to run two years earlier and guarantee, say, hey, I'm in this for two terms. Two, uh, if I don't win the first time, I guarantee that I'm going to try to run a second time. And then after that, you know, it's up in the air. But you, it, we as progressives, we need to give it more time. Because money's, we're not going to be able to raise as much, especially with the way we're being disenfranchised. I feel disenfranchised by what's going on. Um, I'm not, I don't want to really donate that much money. So money's not, you're not going to be able to raise money and compete on with TV ads. But if we knock on mm-hmm. enough doors and build that infrastructure, at least you will be able to pass it on to the next person who might be progressive running also. That's another thing. Anyway, I, I talked enough. Uh, I give the mic back to you, buddy. No, that's 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 a good point. You mean, in other words, case you mean have them actually work for their vote? Yeah, <laughs> we're not the novel idea. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and and one thing, working with the people's gauntlet, I've I've realized that there's a lot of candidates that literally just expect you to. They come and say, "Hey, Sabs, I'm a progressive. I want your vote," and that's it. They expect you to say, "Therefore, volunteer your time." 
give your money and 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 knock on the doors and do all the work. That's it. They don't. You go to people's website. They don't even have issues page. Like I love um or I, I don't. I want to say I love, but Corey uh not Corey but no Charles Booker, right? When he first ran, he was the progressives in, K- in K- Kentucky, and I, I love the fervor the um from the hood to the holler kind of the message, right? I went to his page recently. I don't see a, a healthy issues page. I don't think I saw a, an issues page. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. If somebody, you know, I'll definitely stand corrected. But I didn't see an issues page. Come on. We got, we can't he, be well, doing that. <laughs> he, he went to the dark side case. He not running uh, the same campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he got yeah. into, I think, um, what's his name? Chuck Schumer supported him. So that's a bad sign. Anybody that gets supported <laughs> by the progressive um, caucus now has a side eye for me, you know, unfortunately, with how they treated Nina. So it, we're in some tough times, but I'm, opti- I'm always optimistic that we just need to figure out what's the best way. We need to organize. That's why I love having um, jumping on these call-ins with all my favorite left leaders and talking to you. This is what's needed. Me, you, the audience, having these conversations and, and coming up with solutions. And even if that solution doesn't work, we come back together and, and, and think of something new again. And then if it doesn't work, we come back together, think of something new again. And, and back to the original topic, Justice Democrats, yeah, they, they, they tried something. I think they slowly got co-opted to this point where they're at. I think they're definitely um, co-opted. And we, as the progressive grassroots, we have to come up with something new. Well said, Case. Well said. Thank you. Thank you you so much. No problem. Much Um, love to you. Much love to the chat. Have a good one. You too. Thanks. Yeah. um, I'm sorry. I know I have uh, two people, guys. I'm actually past my time. I need to stop at 1130. I'm so sorry. I don't know how to prevent people from calling in after a certain point. I, I guess I should uh, reach out to call in and ask them that. Like, how do I prevent that? I'm so sorry. Uh, but Lance, I know you already spoke, but um, I know I'll hear from you again. But I, I just want to say uh, before I end this call is that I want you guys to kind of look at these discussions as brainstorming sessions when we have these conversations. Like, so many of you gave a lot of great ideas. You know, let's write those down. I mean, these episodes are recorded, but like, This is what we need to be doing. This is what civil rights leaders did. All of the people that have fought and and, and brainstormed, they had brainstorming sessions to figure out how are we going to do this? How are we going to get this done? So I really do appreciate these discussions, you guys. I really appreciate it. I am well past my time. It is 1137. (laughs) Just look at this. Eric's in the background. He's probably like, when is this going to end? (laughs) So I do want to go ahead and end the segment on call-in, and then I'll end it on uh, YouTube. So guys, thank you to everyone who tuned in tonight on call-in. I really appreciate it. Loved hearing for you. Um, I'll be back. So have a good weekend.